welcome back to the Gentle Catholic Parenting Podcast, where I explore gentle, positive principles of parenting through the lens of our Catholic faith. I'm Kim Cameron Smith, and this is episode 27. I am recording in November with Thanksgiving just around the corner, so I was thinking this would be a really good time to remind ourselves of the art of making conversation. The art of making conversation, especially at the dinner table. Now, really, if you're listening to this at any time, uh, this is a good topic to review because I think many of us grown-ups have forgotten how to have a real conversation with people rather than just talking at each other, especially on so- so- social media. I'm going to focus here on grown-ups making conversation with children or teenagers, but really these tips apply equally to conversations you would have with anybody and anywhere, right? So I'm thinking about kids talking, parents talking with their kids at the dinner table, but it, it will apply at any time and anywhere. My first point is that we need to ensure that we allow time for the conversation to unfold. Real conversations unfold when they're not rushed. Raising somebody skilled in conversation, there's actually a word for it, it's called a dapnosophist. So this is someone that's very skilled in a dinner table conversation in particular. It takes time. You don't learn the art of conversation by taking a class, right? So you can't sign your kids up for a, a class on how to have a conversation. They learn it by doing it with real people. And kids learn it by doing it with people they love and they trust. When I first met my husband, one of the things I really loved about him was the way he could talk about any subject. He could talk about, he, he's a physicist, but he could have a conversation with you about literature, about politics, about religion, science, anything. And he could have an in-depth conversation with you and he could do it respectfully. And he could do it even if he disagreed with you. He could have a passionate conversation and be honest about his position, but he would still be able to engage um, respectfully. So he knows how to have a passionate conversation, but to maintain regard for the other person. This is a very special quality, especially right now, and it's one of the reasons I fell in love with him. When I visited his family after we became engaged, it all made sense. This is just the way his whole family is. His family not only talks a lot while they're eating, but they sit around talking after dinner. And it was not only his parents. When I visited their his grandparents, they too, they would eat dinner and they would sit around just talking for hours after dinner, right? Um, so th- that that is really, really important, taking the time to allow conversation to unfold. So I'm very grateful to my in-laws that they prioritized conversation in their homes because now I'm married to somebody who's helping our children enjoy it too and know how it what it looks like obviously we're all very busy nowadays we are I know I am more busy now than I was 10 years ago and the reasons for that we could it would be a topic for another show sometimes we're very busy for very good reasons often we're doing really important good things but maybe 
part of being an intentional Catholic parent is thinking about that this point that um, we want to prioritize, let's say table talk, dinner table talk, at least one day a week, just to ensure that you're not always rushed during dinner because you have something to do afterwards. Have Let there be, can we commit to this, that there will be one dinner a week where there is nothing to do afterward and we can allow conversation to unfold. And then if we want to leave the table and go sit in the living room or whatever and have dessert and let the conversation continue, allow time for debates and for deep conversation and for allow the conversation to linger. That is where great conversations happen. And that's where we teach our children how to have regard in their um, conversations with people. And that leads to my second point. The art of conversation requires that you actually take an interest in the other person, that you actually take an interest in the other person. Just listen. The most important element in great conversation, including dinner table conversation, it isn't the talking, it is the listening. And I don't know about you, but I know for myself, oftentimes, especially if it's a topic I'm really passionate about, or the other person has a differing opinion, I'm thinking about what I'm going to say next rather than listening to what they're saying. And that is a very, very bad habit that I have. And it partly com comes from my own insecurity. But out of love for that person and regard for their humanity, I have to slow myself down and force myself, pay attention. What are they saying? And articulate back to them what I heard they say. So too often we... Um, we have a hard time with real dialogue or real conversation because we aren't very interested in what the other person is actually saying or who they are or where they're coming from. We're just waiting for them to be quiet so we can get our point in, okay? Not that our point's not important, but then that's not a conversation. We're basically just talking to ourselves. And we're, we're all too used to that nowadays. And social media, that is not a conversation. <laughs> That's just a lot of people sharing their opinion and not really developing their opinion. I think that's partly why we're losing the art of conversation is that the sort of back and forth things you get on Twitter or whatever, that is not conversation because it's not a platform that actually allows for depth. That's my biggest complaint. I appreciate social media. It allows me to connect with my readers. It allows me to connect with many of you and, you know, in ways that I couldn't otherwise. But if I really want to have a conversation with you, I am not going to do it on Twitter because I know the conversation can't really develop there. Okay, so we need to take an interest in the other person, listen to them, listen to what they're saying, and then ask questions. So with your kids, listen to what they're saying and be curious um, about what they're saying and repeat back to them what you think you heard. Because that actually makes them feel seen and it makes them more um, willing to continue engaging with you. This is particularly important with teenagers who often feel like we aren't listening to them, that we're just talking at them. Becoming more attuned in our conversation, not only 
makes um, life more pleasant, you know, mealtime or whatever, but it helps us become better Christians. We were made for communion and self-giving love. And this requires the ability to both reveal ourselves, to reveal ourselves honestly, right? But really to also see other persons. You have to, to see the other person and affirm their humanity. Now that sounds all very romantic, but it looks like a healthy friendship, right? So in my, in my real friendships, if I only talked and never listened to them, I wouldn't know who they are. And that would mean the friendship is all about me. It's not really a friendship. It's about me, you know, just needing something from them. So the dinner table is the perfect place for families to practice all of this together, you know, especially with children. And then another thing that is really, um, that I have found to be helpful, especially if you're a, a quiet family that doesn't tend to talk a lot, is to have conversation starters. Have conversation starters. And you can plan these conversation starters ahead of time. So here are some practical tips. You can have a basket or a little box of questions in the middle of the table. So a lot, uh, many families I know do this uh, for special dinners when they're having extended family come and they're concerned about not having much to talk about. They will get conversation starters to kind of keep, um, keep everyone um, engaged and have something interesting to talk about. And so you can find these conversation starters um, online right? So they come in packs. So there are, I've, I looked it up and there are currently things called chat packs and table talk topics. And they're bundled cards that you can purchase. They even have some uh, particularly for Thanksgiving or for different holidays. But you can also just make them yourself. A conversation starter is really just an open-ended question. It's not a yes or no question. And it gets conversation going think with younger kids, you know, ask them things that you know they're going to be interested in, right? And that they'll have something to, to talk about. What do you, what's your favorite animal and why? If you could have any um, pet, um, even if it was extinct or mythical, which, um, what, what, would, what would you want and why? If you have older kids or teenagers, you can ask questions like, if you could have dinner with anybody in history, who would it be? and why. And the why thing is really important because that expands the conversation. And I've seen Catholic conversation starters that ask questions about the faith or your spiritual experience or your favorite sacraments or whatever. And so I found some and I'm going to link to those um, in the show notes on my website. So go to Kim, KimCameronSmith.com and click on podcast. And so it's show 27 and you will see there um, a link to some Catholic conversation starters. Another kind of conversation starter uh, is the news. The news. So you could um, read a newspaper column aloud at the beginning of dinner or read um, something from a Catholic newspaper. And then, you know, just one one article, one, one news story, one uh, editor's opinion or something. And then just get your kids' opinions about it. See what they think about it. 
you can do this with either the mainstream news or the Catholic news. There are tons of really good Catholic news outlets nowadays. A couple of my favorite ones are the Our Sunday Visitor News and the National Catholic Register. There are also really good, um, high-quality uh, blogs and stuff like that where you can read your kids, re read, read an article to your kids from um, these websites. So if your kids are older, a really good one is the Imaginative Conservative. It's very intellectual, but they do have um, articles every now and then that would be interest to everyone in your family. Um, so it's really interesting. They have I re I've read articles on there about baseball and about literature and and different things. So check that out. You might consider that. So that's a kind of a conversation starter. Another idea, kind of um, similar to that, is reading poetry. This is something that I have done for years. I don't know. I kind of got out of that. We haven't done it in a couple of years, but for many years. At lunch, I read a poem to my children. I'm a language arts teacher. I teach literature, writing, and grammar to about 35 kids. Um, and so in that, I teach poetry analysis. But my point when I'm doing poetry reading with my children at lunchtime or lunchtime poetry reading, it's not about teaching them to analyze the poetry. It's I want them to enjoy it. And I want them just to think about it. And, you know, some days they didn't have anything to say. Some days they would just listen to it and not really have much to say. Other days they would want to know more about it. Other days they would disagree about what it meant. And I tended to try not to interrupt that process. I tried to take off my teacher's hat and not interrupt that conversation because I was using it um, really in two ways. It was a conversation starter, but also I was instilling um, an appreciation in my children for beauty, for the beauty of language, because poetry is really um, about the aesthetics of, of language. But you know, poetry is not your thing. There are other um, ideas similar to, the, to these ideas, you know, reading the news or reading poetry. You could read a saint's life, one saint's life every day, there's this book called A Calendar of Saints, The Lives of the Principal Saints of the Christian Year. It's a really good collection. There's one saint for each day of the year, and there is an image to go with it. And the thing I like about it for being a conversation starter is that the that it's short. Each entry is short. So it's about, okay, I'm looking at it right now. Um, each day takes up about a half a page, and there are maybe three to four paragraphs of um, biography on the saint, and there are really beautiful images. So it's called A Calendar of Saints. I will link to that on my website um, for the show notes for this show. But there are other ones other than, than this one. I just happened to like this one. I liked it because there was a saint for each day. And so I have it on our family altar, and, you know, I can have it open to today so the kids can look to see who the saint is for the day. So those are a couple ideas for conversation starters. Maybe you don't have um, problems getting conversations going in your family, but those are some fun ideas. And there are things that, you know, I've, I've tried all of them. And, I mean, we're, we're a blabbery family. We don't have... <laughs> We tend to talk a lot at the dinner table, but it's still kind of a fun thing to do. And, you know, you can 
kind of um, make a ritual out of conversation starters. So that lunchtime poetry reading was a ritual in our family for many years. And to this day, I cannot remember why we stopped doing it. I think maybe one of my kids had a, um, a class that conflicted as my kids have grown up. You know, sometimes they have online classes. We homeschool. Now Now we're all homeschooling, right? But um, sometimes they have classes at noon. But I think I might start doing that again. That was, that was a lot of fun. So anyway, make, make a ritual out of it. So it's doing many things. It's not only a conversation starter, but it's giving, you know, your kids a sense of, um, you know, a memory, like a sense of identity in a really special ritual that your your family does. Some of you do this already. Like I know some families at every dinner, they ask their kids, you know, what what kind of interesting thing happened today? What new thing they learned that day? What was the best or the worst part of the day or something like that? Sometimes they ask those things during evening prayers, but some families, they do it at, at dinner time. Okay. I have a really cool idea, and I do not remember where I read this. There's a family that does this, and I was looking to see where I found this idea. This is not my idea, so if you're the family that, uh, that does this, I'm sorry. I stole your idea. <laughs> um, so I read this somewhere online. I'm not sure where. So in this family, at every Sunday dinner, at every Sunday dinner, they ask their kids what they're grateful for from the week, right? So the kids think over the previous week, and then the parent writes it on a slip of paper, and they put it in a jar in the middle of the table. And at the end of the year, and I'm not sure, I don't remember if it was at the end of the calendar year or maybe at the end of the church year, some, you know, like right before Advent, they would read these slips of paper. So this was actually, this would be really cool if you did this, you know, if you're listening to this right after I, I release the show, it's right before Advent. So if you started doing this, you know, at Advent, and then you do it, and then you, um, you read the slips of paper, say, at Thanksgiving, that would be a really cool family tradition. So not only are you practicing conversation, you know, it's a conversation starter, but you're instilling the habit of gratitude in your kids. And it would be a really beautiful Thanksgiving tradition. I think I might try that. I like this idea. So another family does that. I think it's, it is a really good idea. So those are my thoughts about conversation. It's really on my mind because I do not like the lack of decorum in conversation even between you know, Christians, brothers and sisters in Christ, sneering at one another on social media. I have, I there's someone in my circle who actually got into a fight with her spouse on Facebook um, about the recent election because they disagreed. This is not good. Okay, that this is not good. This inability to see the humanity in um, the other person it's very common on social media because you're, you're actually kind of stuck in your own little bubble. And it's really unhealthy. Again, I really do see the, um, the benefits of social media, 
But at some point, we've got to step away from the keyboard and have real conversations. When you attempt to talk to people one-on-one, -on -one, you tend to have greater regard for them. And many of us are forgetting how to do this. Right now, during COVID in particular, we can't even have, you know, a backyard barbecue or, you know, we can't even have, in California, we can't even have our friends over for Thanksgiving. So we're losing, not only are we losing our sense of um, being able to communicate um, you know, respectfully, but we're not getting a chance to practice it because we can't see one another, but we can practice it with our children. So those are just some of my thoughts. And I always like to leave you with the big picture. Well, I think when we make an effort to cultivate the art of conversation in our homes, which includes not only talking, but listening attentively, we are helping, helping to counter some of the negativity that's become almost the norm. Well, it has become the norm in our, our culture. And so that is not a good example to our, our children. So maybe we can become part of a pushback. Maybe our children's generation um, can learn how to talk about hard subjects without forgetting that the other person is a human being first that the other person is not an issue. They're actually a human being. Next week on November 10th is the, um, the feast for Saint, Saint Leo the Great, one of our greatest popes that helped clarify church teaching. And one of his gifts, he had to deal with a lot of heresies and a lot of disagreements in the church between people, re really well-meaning people. And he was a, a bridge builder and a peacemaker, but he never compromised the truth. And so I see two issues happening is that some people feel like they have to cower in the corner and never say anything because if they say something, um, you know, they're going to be ostracized or canceled or fired so they can't speak. Um, and then at the other end are people that talk, 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 talk and do not listen, right? And, and, and neither one of those is good. And Pope Leo the Great taught us that we can be peacemakers and bridge builders and conversationalists without compromising the truth. So yes, maybe we can pass that lesson from Pope Leo on to our children, pass that heart for the truth, but a heart for the other person, um, we can pass that on to our children. Well, that is it for today. You can read show notes for this podcast on my website, kimcameronsmith.com. And then you can find a link to Intentional Catholic Parenting. And that's where I house all my articles, link to research on parenting and child development. You can I, I also find links there uh, to find me on social media. Pray for me as I will for you. God bless you. Have a great day.